Like it or not, there are some communities here in Long Beach that you might not necessarily feel the safest walking down the street. That feeling might be even worse if you were once caught up in the criminal aspect of that neighborhood, but you're making strides to walk that straight and narrow path, but you still have to find a way to survive in the midst of violence. That basically sums up the circumstances of Alan McIntosh. Here's a man who had a robbery and theft charge in the past, but he was making a point to live his life on that straight and narrow path and provide for his family. That desire is great individually, but unless the entire community comes to that level of consciousness at the same time, it won't do much in changing your surroundings. So one day, Alan black or Q as his friends call him, decided to hop on his bicycle and ride down to the local convenience store to buy some milk for his family. Long Beach police decided to pull him over for the belligerent crime of not using the crosswalk and not having a light on his bicycle. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Police do not prevent crime. They react to it. But I do often wonder in communities where neither the criminal elements nor the police can be trusted, what would happen if the police in situations like this said, hey, did you know your light was out? Tell someone like Alan where they can maybe get that fixed, maybe even offer to come by the next day and help them fix it. What would that kind of actual care and concern for the community do? Well, if you don't know, I'll tell you, it does two things. One, it allows people in the community to see you differently. They see you as an entity that actually cares about them and can be trusted and that they can talk to, which means they're more likely to talk to you when circumstances are difficult, crime-ridden, or violent, and you can actually help impact that community. There's a reason why communities that are over-policed don't see a drastic change in the criminal element within that community. Building that kind of rapport doesn't come easy. It is one of the reasons why I personally don't think that any police officer should police a community that he does not live in. It's a little difficult to use excessive force or draw your weapon on somebody that you live three blocks away from, but I digress. If you're wondering, yes, undoubtedly, some of the police activity we see in these communities is because of racial profiling. You should check out an article written by our editor, Jeremiah, back in 2020, that outlined how black people are more likely to get pulled over in Long Beach than our white counterparts. In fact, despite making up only 13% of the Long Beach population, black motorists, pedestrians, and bicyclists made up 24% of Long Beach police traffic stops in 2019. That math just is not mathing. And that is now. Imagine how much worse it was in 1998, because in 98, not having a light on your bike also meant you were subject to search. And in a gang-invested neighborhood, they found Allen with a gun. Allen was arrested on the charge of being a felon in possession of a firearm, an offense that normally carries a prison sentence of up to three years. But because of California's three-strike law, he was sentenced to 25 years to life. Now, let me say this. Much like the war on drugs, the three-strike rule was specifically designed to incarcerate Black and Latino people. I am not going to sugarcoat that for you. Because the extreme sentences to people who had committed nonviolent crimes is also a violation of our Eighth Amendment protection against cruel and unusual punishment. No logical or rational person would think a person, even with a gun, who lived in a violent area but had not committed a violent crime should go to jail for 25 years or maybe even the rest of their life. 
Now, I would imagine the one thing lawmakers could feel really good about is knowing that the three-strike rule operated exactly as it was intended to. African-Americans make up the largest group of second and third strikes at 37%, followed by Hispanics at 33%. That racial composition is similar to what the total prison population is. However, African-Americans make up 45% of the third strike population, which is 15% higher than the total prison population. Luckily, at some point, Allen found his cellmate to be Caesar McDowell, who started Unite the People to help provide aid to people who were unjustly sentenced. For those individuals, Unite the People works to make sure they can have their sentence either reduced or gain their freedom. In addition to that relationship, a documentary about Allen was created called Q-Ball, because he likes to play basketball. That documentary provided the necessary attention to help Caesar in his endeavors to get Allen released, and it allowed Allen to reconnect with someone from his past and find love. We will meet his long lost love and now his wife, Davina, as well as Caesar McDowell on this week's The Word. Watch this. You are now listening to The Word with Jackie Ray. Once again, I'm Jackie Rain. Thank you so much for listening to The Word. I'm excited about this one because you've probably heard me talk to Caesar before with Unite the People. I went out when uh, Tory Lanez came. Right, to, to, to the funding for the, yep. the families that couldn't afford uh, good legal services. Right. So just to recap, um, Unite the People, this is what they do. They, they help people who were either unjustly sentenced or over-sentenced, have either their sentence reduced or perhaps even gain their freedom. And there's a lot of new laws that have happened. So, so Davina, I want to start with you. When did you guys get married? We just got married last October. So how long were you guys together prior to this? Well, I knew him like, like earlier on in life. Um, but then we like reunited about three years ago. Okay. So how did that happen? How did this reunion happen? Um, I seen the movie Q-Ball, um, and I couldn't believe like, like this can't be real. Um, and like I wrote him or whatever he wrote back and then like, we've been together ever since. So I mean, let's just be honest. With my mom, if I was writing an inmate and I got married to an inmate, my mother would freak out. How did your family handle that? Um, well, they they know who he is. Um, like, we have a blended family. Um, he has a son and a daughter, and I have a daughter. Um, and we're just all really acceptive of him. Um, my daughter and him are like like twins. Um, and like his son and, you know, everybody's just accepted because they, they know who he is. They know that... That prison sentence isn't him. That's just where he's at right now. I was there when the first letter came. Yes. Okay. He was. He uh, was. He yeah. was. <laughs> I was actually there when the letter came through the cell. He was. Right. Man, who was this? Oh, you were there with him. He was right. my cellmate. He right. was my cellie for 10 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. So okay. when he got the letter from her, mm-hmm. I was actually there. Right. And he was like, hey, man, look, the Davina wrote me. And he wrote her back. and. Right. As time went, I just started noticing more and more they were spending time. Mm-hmm. More and more they were talking, writing, interacting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it went from one level to the next. By the time mm-hmm. I left, he was, Davina was his heart and his soul. And, and that, was, that was about, you know, that was about the time that I was leaving. Well, you said she became his heart and his soul. Did that improve his his mindset while he was there? Knowing yeah. someone was there outside fighting for him and cared for him well one thousand percent you you know you got to understand the mindset of a guy in there and and there's two things that that guys need in there right one is hope and then the other is 
a way to stay relevant to the outside world. If you're sitting in there and you don't, you know, they're not supposed to have cell phones or whatever. But honestly, cell phones keep you relevant mm -hmm. to the outside world. So if you don't have a cell phone and you don't have anything in court, you don't have any hope, that's when you do anything. Anything that happens, like, you know, I always tell people they should definitely allow cell phones keep violence down in prison right. probably 90 percent more than people even know because the last thing you want to do is lose your cell phone last thing you want to do is lose your contacts with the outside world so that is huge but when a guy has someone else in his life someone else that you know he has a wife a girlfriend and it, it makes a difference because when guys come up to you and they say hey man you know this happened over here, and we're going to go, you know, do whatever. You'll be more apt to be like, well, you know what? Hold on. Right. We should discuss this and communicate, and maybe this person, but, you know, in the times before the cell phones, you know, we were in prison, uh, Black and I were in prison for decades, mm -hmm. right? Uh, as of today, he was just resentenced, but prior to that, you know, that's 24 years in prison. Mm -hmm. I did 20. The last 10, we were cellies. But, Prior to that, there was times where anything happens, you don't have anything to live for. You don't have any type of hope or anything. Right. So when someone says, you know, and I'll just be blunt, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, man, look, we're going to go stab this guy because he did that. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, okay, yeah, let's go do it. Let's go do this and let's do that. But when you have a cell phone or, or now you have a girlfriend, a wife, then you'll be more apt to be like, hold on, man, you guys are tripping. Well, yeah, that's that old saying, you know, a person that has nothing to lose is the most dangerous person in the world, right? 100%. And I, I guess that's how we can say it. I didn't want to say that. Right. But when you don't have nothing to lose, right. you don't care whatever it is. You're, you're going to go do whatever to whoever, and it didn't matter. But once you have somebody, like I noticed a change in black once they became serious again, right? Once they became serious, I noticed... Because Black is a really serious guy, mm -hmm. right? He don't laugh. He don't play. He don't joke. He's just really, he's not mean. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves him. He's like one of them gentle giants. Mm -hmm. But he's not going to play with you, right? You can't go to Black and touch him. And, and he would look at you like, you're insane. Why are you touching <laughs> me, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But once you get Davina came around, then you start noticing he's more human. He's giggling. At, I used to look up. You know, I was on the bottom. He was on the top bunk, and I, he'd be up there gigging. What you gigging at? Oh, this she, he be so sure it's funny. You know, I ain't yeah. seen him smile in years, but it definitely makes a difference when, when someone in his life, so when she came into his life, it was 100% different. Now, you started your nonprofit while you were in prison, right? So With the help of my brother, Mitch. Right, with the help of your brother, Mitch. Now, did you always know that Black was going to be somebody you wanted to help as soon as you got out? Honestly... I by far knew Black was going to go home before me. Oh, really? Right. Because Black was more into the programs, mm -hmm. the rehabilitation. He was a good worker. He worked in the hospitals. He helped the... They see they have a thing called IDAP in prison. Mm -hmm. IDAP is inmate day, something labor, something like that. But what you do is there's, there's so many guys in prison who are in wheelchairs, mm -hmm. can't bathe themselves. Mm -hmm. They're mentally ill. They can't, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So they have certain guys that actually go help these guys. Mm -hmm. 
And he's one of them. Mm -hmm. okay. So when they have like a disabled person who can't make it to the shower or can't make it to medical to get medical treatment, mm -hmm. they will call him, McIntosh, report down to the podium. He'll go down to the podium. And that's him helping the disabled people. Mm -hmm. Me, I was a little different. Uh, <laughs> I can see that. No. Right. <laughs> so when it came time for board dates and getting released and all of that, our actual board dates. See, Blackheart, he went to board. Uh -huh. And they denied him for five years. Mm -hmm. I went to board and they released me. So why do you think that is? If he was actually putting in the work and actually showing that he was rehabilitated, why? I'm not on parole now, so I can answer that honestly. Because okay. they don't know what the hell they're doing. Gotcha. They don't. There's guys, and, and I always tell everybody this, and I always tell the truth. There are some guys, and unite the people, we're not abolished prisons. Mm -hmm. We're not, nobody needs to go to... There's 100% guys in there that need to still be there. Mm -hmm. And I've seen multiple of them get out. Guys that I'm scared of, whoa, he got out. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy was doing this or that or this or that, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's guys that you go like, come on. You know, this guy should have got a shot. He was one of them. Mm -hmm. We both went to the board maybe two, three weeks apart. I knew for certain, okay, he's going home. I'm going to have to call him and ask him because he's doing all the rehab. Right. I was actually running United People with my brother Mitch. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't doing the rehab. I wasn't doing. You were busy. United yeah. People had it's every yeah. day. It's work. It's, mm -hmm. it, it ain't nothing easy. Right. So I was doing that and he was going to program. So I, I just knew like, damn it, he's going to get out before me. I'll get out later. But I, And so when they didn't let him go. Mm -hmm. That made me feel like, ooh, if they didn't let him go. Yeah, what are my chances? Yeah, what are my chances? And, I mean, it ended up playing out a different way. I did go home. He didn't. Mm -hmm. But, no, nah, he, he he definitely did the work years and years ago. He's been doing the work. Davina, did you feel the same way? Did you feel like he's been putting in the work? When he goes, it's gonna, this is going to all resolve itself. Yeah, like um, because he went in uh, January of 2020 to uh, the Pro Board. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I was like, for sure, like, you know, he's been programming, you know, he's been doing good. He ain't got no write-ups, like basically like a model prisoner mm -hmm. per se. And so we got, I was like, for sure, you know, went, got the house already, went, you know, went, got him clothes, everything. And then when he called me and said he didn't get it, it was like devastating. And then to hear that it was five years. So when you say five years, you mean like he got denied five years, like mm -hmm. technically if he wouldn't have got resentenced today, he wouldn't go up, um, to hit the parole board again until 2025. Oh, wow. So let's talk about the resentencing. How you've been putting in the work, filing all the necessary paperwork. Tell me the the first piece of paperwork, because I know there's a lot. Tell me the first thing you had to file in order to make this come about. Well, let me back it up and tell you a little how it came okay. about. All right, because I got to give credit where credit was due. Yep. I got out, and the first thing I wanted to do was, of course, help black, right? And they was giving us problems. So we were just making calls like, hey, look, there's a guy. He qualifies more than everybody else that we know. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we could get this guy. And they were just slamming the door in our face. So then there was a lawyer that used to work with us at the time. That's why I said I got to get paid. Melinda Gomez. I don't know if you met her, the, the tall basketball lawyer. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. She watched cue ball. She had a connection with Black. You know, she's a hooper. He's a hooper. Mm -hmm. 
she heard his story. How do you give somebody 25 to life for a gun possession? Yeah. Been down decades. This guy was a, in his early 20s when he got his sentence. Mm -hmm. And then you see him on the TV. This guy's 6'4", and he's like a Rottweiler. You know, he look, uh, <laughs> but he's really nice if he's nice. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So she's like seen him. Right. <laughs> so she's she seen him and made a connection with him. I came in an office one day and she had the entire staff. We had interns from UCLA. Mm -hmm. We had interns, you know, doing our, our law. Mm -hmm. And she had all of the interns, the, the the paralegals, and they were like, hey, Caesar, come in the office. We got something we want to show you. And Melinda pulls up a, a big whiteboard and it said Operation Black. And it had a picture of Black from Cuba holding the basketball oh, wow. with the goal. She's like, Caesar, we really need to do this. I want to make it happen. Now, we have been making calls and filing, you know, little 1170 petitions or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they were like, let's make it a big campaign. So we went out and we gathered 35,000 signatures mm -hmm. through change.org. We went and got support letters from Tesla, from Apple, mm -hmm. Golden State Warriors, from yeah. a guy Dan went out to the Harvard. We got them from everywhere. Now, how did you get these support letters? When, you, when I think Tesla and Golden State Warriors, I'm thinking... They're hard to get to. These are organizations that are a little bit difficult to get to. How did you get support letters from them? Because these are the guys that come into San Quentin State Prison. Mm -hmm. The Golden State Warriors have a program where they come in and they play basketball against the San Quentin Warriors. Mm -hmm. Right? And so all of their admin come in. Bob Myers, Draymond okay. Green was there. Kevin Durant came. Mo Buckets. I played against Mo Buckets one on one. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait. You played I against. Played wait Buckets a minute. You asked somebody. <laughs> I played Mo Buckets one on one because I was talking mess from the sidelines so much <laughs> that he was getting irritated. Wait, how tall are you, Caesar? I am a whole five six. I'm five six, woman. Is that a, is that a is that with your is that with your shoes on? With my shoes on, I'm five, okay. Six. So you're like five five. I am five six. Uh, okay, we're going for five six, people. <laughs> but the, no, but they have a program. Okay. And so a lot of these guys that come with the Christian ministries, it's not just the Golden State Warriors. It's the Christian ministries. It's 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 a lot of these colleges come, JCs come, and they play. Even the Golden State Warriors D League team comes and plays. Okay. Yeah, and so that's where I met a lot of these guys, and so they know black. Mm -hmm. So since they know him, you know, I tell them, hey, look, man, you know, this is what we're doing. And they got a lot of people behind them. Mm -hmm. And it, it took a lot of work. It mm -hmm. took a lot of work. A lot of different lawyers uh, from United People. We called a lot of people not from United People. It took a lot of work. But we got to this point today. And as of right now, he's laying in his cell, no longer sentenced to life. Exactly. And when you go to the board, we both went to the board. They gave me mine. But normally what normally happens is when you go, if you're sentenced to life and you go to the board, the first time you go to the board, they deny you mm -hmm. either three years or five years. They tell you, come back in three years, see us again, or come back five years. Mm -hmm. For some reason, they let me go and they told Black, come back in five years. Mm -hmm. So he can go back. That was in 2020, yeah. January. Yeah. He come back five years, 2025. They normally tell you one more time come back in three years. Mm -hmm. So he could be looking at doing five, eight, ten more years mm -hmm. in prison. So for him to be sitting there today, laying in his bed knowing, hey, it's over, almost two years to the day. Mm -hmm. I got out on June 26th is when I was released. Mm -hmm.
he got resentenced on June twentieth. He's going to make it home around the twenty fourth, fifth, or sixth. So that is it because of some of the new laws that have have happened that we're able to you were able to kind of fast track. What is the new laws? Is it with the George uh, Gascon? Mm-hmm. You know, it was crazy. Was man George Gascon means so well, mm-hmm. and it's like taboo to say, but one hundred percent. If it wasn't for George Gascon's new directives, this wouldn't happen. Like you can file it. We can go. We we help guys get resentenced in every state. I mean, every city, every county throughout the state of California, mm-hmm. right? We've gotten guys resentenced in Riverside, San Diego, up north. But it's you have a DA one hundred percent against you, fighting you on it because of Gascon's new directives. We were able to get McIntosh's case into court, and the opposition from the DA wasn't there. The DAs agreed with the resentencing. The DAs are the ones that came up with, you know what, it should be time served. Yeah. So because the guy's gone, it, it did, definitely made it work. So while this is great and I know you're excited, uh, we've done a lot of shows about how difficult it is, you know, once you've spent time in prison and you get out life after that. Because we haven't reached the point in our society where we really understand that that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be you go in there, you serve your time, you're rehabilitated, and you are able to come out and build a new life. We haven't caught up with the thought process of how it's supposed to be. And people are often basically shamed for spending any time in prison. Have you thought about what's next? Have you set up any any job opportunities or anything like that for when he when he returns well home? luckily he's been um he's been blessed enough to when he comes home he's actually he's coming home to a job okay um what's the job uh that's pro- no, fine um he's gonna be working uh for to be living as a property manager oh good they're gonna train him um and he actually has an apartment now in his name uh, i just moved there saturday um so he's coming home to apartment in his name he's coming home to a full-time job um, so he, he gets a big step that a lot of don't, a lot of, a lot of people don't get. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself is, is a blessing. So how did you set up this job and this apartment? Through, uh, one of the people from Apple that had oh, wrote, okay. wrote him a support letter. Um, they, they, they knew the CEO of, uh, the property management. Um, the guy watched cue ball and, you know, her story, heard Alan's story. Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, heard Alan's story. Um, we had like a little interview, whatever. Um, Alan talked to him on the phone, like his little 15 minutes. Then me and the guy talked afterwards, um, told him about me, you know, our whole story. Um, and he just, he just pretty much just wanted to help. He's like this, you know, it doesn't make no sense that he's even still there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's seen all the injustice and all the discrimination and everything that has to do with his case. And he just wanted to help, and he was like, "Whatever I can do to to get to get him one step closer to build, having a normal life." And um, he's like, "I don't want him to worry about a job or a place to stay, even though I was I had you know our apartment or whatever." Um, so he just wanted to give him that chance that a lot of people don't get. So is this what we need to really make sure other people in this situation get justice? Is we need to create whole documentaries, or can yeah. is there something we can do to correct the injustice of our justice system? To be honest. You need more George Gascons. Mm-hmm. The uh, the media has somehow, and I said the media, I know you're the media, but the media has somehow distorted the picture to not only the left is against George Gascon, but so is the right. Mm-hmm. Because the right doesn't even know no better. Right. When I met George Gascon for the first time, I spoke to him for the first time, the first thing he said was, I try to be more, uh, it's not black or white. I try to 
Because mm-hmm. if I just said, honestly, hey, look, man, you know what it is. It's black and Mexicans are getting all the time. Right, right. Right, then people will be put off. It's difficult to not be black and white, though, when it really is a black and white situation. It 100% it is. It is. But, see, <laughs> so you got you to understand, as an organization, as the CEO and, you know, working with my brother who's the president, we can't say certain things mm-hmm. that will cut off a lifeline that could help the organization. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to George, and I was like, yes, well, I'm not going to save it. He's like, hold on. He's like, hold on. It damn sure is black or white. Mm-hmm. It's the Hispanics and the blacks. They're whooping all of y'all. You know, he's Cuban, right? And, you know, it's they're whooping all y'all. And we put all of the stats up on our website. It is what it is. That's what right. it is. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. But right now in the media, in our neighborhoods, they're twisting so much. They're saying crime is rising, mm-hmm. right? And I talked a little bit about this before. When they say the crime rate is rising right now, it 100% is. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, first of all, I've always said when you put people in a desperate situation, they do desperate things. And when you're pricing people out, California has the highest home employed homeless population. And that's the part of it. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is if I want to make you look bad, if you're the DA right now, I can say the crime rate is rising and I can show you the numbers mm-hmm. and I would be correct. Mm-hmm. But what I'm not telling you is it was COVID for the last two years. Everybody right. been inside. So since everybody been inside, I'm including in these numbers vandalism. Mm -hmm. I'm including in these numbers domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Well, husbands and And wife are are, are, on on the inside. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we can say all of this and it's you, but we're not telling the truth. Right Right now, the crime rate in California is by far, I don't want to say a thousand percent, it's a third Mm -hmm. of what the crime rate was prior to COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, the media is saying this. Everybody's blaming George. First, it was Gas- uh, Gavin Newsom and George Gascon. Mm-hmm. When the recall failed on Newsom, now they're on Gascon. Mm-hmm. And then the people aren't knowing enough to go, wait, hold on. This is propaganda. Right. Well, it's like the it's like the black on black crime thing. Like that's not a that's not a real thing. Just so y'all know, if y'all don't know, people commit crimes where they live, and ninety three percent of murders that happen amongst white people are by other white people. It's not. Like, there's no such thing as black on black crime, right on white on white crime. People commit crimes where they live. But when you spin that the right way, then it looks like, oh, well, you know, black people are committing all these crimes. They do need these harsher sentences because they're savages or whatever. It's a whole thing that I did a you know study on in college. But it doesn't change the fact that there are still people in prison that are not going to get this documentary. But watch this. Let me say this before we switch, because I don't want to switch out saying this. If you... If you pay attention, Mm -hmm. there was, and hey, I'm black, I've been black all my life. There was one thing that. Your whole life? Yeah. (laughs) But there's there's one thing that we don't get in our communities. Our communities are detached from the prison communities as much as they're intertwined, Mm -hmm. right? Most single moms in our communities are trying to help pay for his packages and all the Mm -hmm. rest of that. While we raise these kids and pay rent and all that, right? right? But when you have these follow home robberies, when you have these uh, guys running in, the guy that ran in and shot uh, Clarence Avon's yeah. wife, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When you're running in and doing that and you're a parolee or you're formally incarcerated, they're taking that and slapping that in front of the cameras, mm-hmm. right? And they're saying, and a lot of people don't know this, I deal with policy every day. Mm-hmm. There was, 100, I'll just say, 100 
new bills to help with prison reform. Mm -hmm. But once all of those follow home robberies started happening and and the media's pushing that and they're pushing that this other they're saying crime rate is rising and they're blasting everybody with that. In order for these senators to get reelected or to be elected, what they have to do is now they're going to follow whatever trend it is. Mm-hmm. They took down there is zero prison reform bills now. Really? There was a hundred of them. Like I was talking to different senators, we were talking to different people. And like, yeah, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna join you in this. We're gonna push this. We're gonna push our our volunteers and our followers to back this. And then when that stuff kept hitting the news, follow home robbery, follow these. So the young kids in our community, and I'm not gonna say they wasn't doing it. Whoever was doing it, mm-hmm. it's getting put in our laps, mm-hmm. and we're not thinking about our uncles and fathers and cousins and brothers in prison, and how politics is gonna tie this in, and they're not coming home now. Mm-hmm. Alan probably made it home in the nick of time right. because all of those prisons, I mean, there's guys that still fit under the old bills. They can't go back. Well, they can't go back and amend them, but it would take money. They're not mm-hmm. trying to spend money. They're trying to get elected. Mm-hmm. So all of the, yeah, post George Floyd senators were with the people is over now. It literally went. There was tons of them. There's zero now. So that that's my fear is, is regardless of, you know, who's committing the crime. It doesn't change the fact that we have a justice system that has really handled as far as people of color unjustly. And so I, you know, you can't all of a sudden walk that back, you know, so it's going to be a constant fight. And I appreciate you for doing this fight and even starting this fight, you know, in prison that I think every time I tell people your story, I think that's because we do, I feel like you said, sometimes people lose hope, you know, in that situation. And instead of you falling victim to that, you gave other people hope. That's that's very commendable. Now, just to confirm what Caesar said regarding crime, according to the California Department of Justice nationally, there was an unprecedented spike in murders in 2020. That was up nearly 30 percent over 2019. That was true for California as well. But violent crimes overall and homicides in particular remained at near record lows throughout the U.S. and again in California. Richard Rosenfeld, the criminologist at the University of Missouri, St. Louis, said there's actually no connection between spikes in murder and the political ideology of an individual prosecutor. And there's also no proof that states that have embraced reforms like shorter prison sentences are seeing more violence than other states. The reason why I feel prison and justice reform is such a touchy subject is because like with anything, if you're first going to change it, you have to admit wrongdoing. So you would have to address the intentional targeting and disproportionate sentencing of black and Latino people. Now I am excited to let you know that Allen, AKA Black, AKA Q-Ball, will be released from prison on Monday, June 27th. 20 years is far too long to be in prison for a nonviolent crime. So yes, this is a victory, but there are others in his exact position. So if you would like to volunteer or if you would like to donate to help others find their freedom as well, I implore you to reach out to Unite the People. You can find them online at unitethepeople.org or you can email me directly at Jackie at LB Post, or you can find me on all social media at Jackie Ray TV, and I will put you in touch. If you have a similar story that you want to get the word out about, please let me know that as well. If there's anything in your community that you think needs to be addressed, I'm here for that as well. Once again, thank you so much for listening to The Word. And remember, if you have to speak a word, make it a good one.